Welcome back to Ask the GM's Podcast, Episode 11, Vampire the Masquerade, Part 2. Thank you for listening. Cool. So like we, uh, so we, I think we mentioned a couple times before that in vampire society, vampires are divided into the clans. There are 13 main clans and the clans have changed over time. And we were talking about the clan quiz. Uh, Pat, which one did you get? I forget which one did you say you got? So, um, Ventru, which as I understand there, the aristocratic noble hierarchy of the vampire world, they kind of are mafia bosses and dons and nobles and all that jazz. And from the what king I understand, of kings. king of kings. Yeah. And as far as I understand, um, they're more about, you know, instilling order and in things and pulling strings from the background. So I, I wouldn't say necessarily like evil, but just all about control. Does, does that track Ian? No, absolutely. Absolutely. And, and also the concept of good and evil and vampire is very gray, very, very gray. Um, I wouldn't think of it in terms of like we would D and D alignments. Yeah. Uh, Brian, how about you? I forgot. Who did you get? I got Bruja. Ooh, um, tell us about Bruja. So, from my reading, Bruja is uh, basically like a bunch of rebels. Um, and uh, in ancient times, they were like they were like philosophers or warrior warrior poets. Very good, Brian. Very good. Yeah. Uh, and yeah, they just seem like renegades and don't like being told what to do. So, Brian, I'll throw something interesting in there about the Bruja. The Bruja did used to, they were kind of the more the philosopher, the thinkers. They were the first clan to kill their clan founder. Um, and they kind of got punished for it. Before they c- killed their clan founder, they could control time. That This was the clan that could actually time travel and speed things up, slow things down. And they kind of, they were punished for killing their clan founder. So wow. it tracks with the whole rebel thing. They were the first rebels. They overthrew their leader. Okay. And then they couldn't control time anymore. Like. That's right. It, yep, that's right. Mm-hmm. Well, um, yeah, I think that, that tracks. I, I I generally resent authority, so that sounds about right. I, I thought you would appreciate that they were the first clan to overthrow their clan founder. I thought you would appreciate that. <laughs> I thought you would appreciate that. Hate that, yeah. That's uh, that is that is close to my heart. That's something I'm I'm passionate about. When I when I think about them, I think either uh, biker gangs or um, like the warrior poet, like Scotsman kind of deal. Oh yeah, for sure. You, you're right on the money there. Uh, so, Zach, uh, who, uh, Zach, who did you get? I also got Vintru, but we can go with Malkavian in terms of conversation. I love arguing with stop signs. I mean, it's very famous from the video game. <laughs> I guess they're known for that, aren't they? Yeah, it, it totally. Yeah, it's a very famous scene. Yeah. And RC, I forget, uh, which one did you get? I got a Bruja as well. Um, but I, I definitely lean towards more like uh, Toreador or um, Malkavian whenever I play the game. Oh, right on. What, what do you know about the Toreador? Vicious art collectors. They like pretty things and pretty people. Was that Tremere? I may have it backwards. No, that's true. No, you got it. They <laughs> appreciate pretty things. That's right. Uh, they're usually manipulating human society through, uh, you know, just cultural norms. 
but sometimes they get backwards and twisted, so they turn somebody else to help them with that. Um, I, I remember one of our players in our campaign uh, died because uh, one of the Toreador's weaknesses, their, their weaknesses, they can become paralyzed and affixed on something that's beautiful and they can't move or act. One of our players uh, pushed the limit to sunrise a little bit too far. And uh, the storyteller made him make a willpower save when he saw the sunrise and he got hypnotized by the sunrise and burst into flames. Couldn't move. Cause he got, he saw the beauty of the sunrise and died. Well, if you haven't seen it for a couple hundred years, I imagine it would be pretty beautiful. Kind of a messed up way to go though. <laughs> It also seems poetic. I don't know. I, it sounds like an awesome moment. Well, you know, we've talked about this before. Character death is not always bad. And how old was that character? Were they like centuries or millennia old? Oh, no. Usually when we played, we were talking about vampires that were no more than 100 years old or less. Okay. Yeah, because during my reading, I, I did see that the different ages were like in their own kind of class as well. So that was kind of neat. Yeah, they refer to it as generation, and that's how far away you are removed from Cain, the first vampire. Um, and in the modern nights, they call it the time of the thin blood because you're getting into the 14th and the 15th generation. And at that point, you're only like a half vampire. You're like a hybrid. Um, so th that's that's kind of what that... you're. I think you're talking about like the, the generations removed from Cain. Yes, yeah that the that was that was a cool like aspect of it that I didn't even think of like oh well I guess that makes sense like it's uh, pretty cool yeah as you like progress through time and make more vampires like the vampire blood isn't as not to be eugenic but pure um, yeah there you go again Brian <laughs> you did it again <laughs> whoops now now Ian tell us about those Nosferatu. Oh, yeah, the Nosferatu. That was my first character. The Nosferatu are twisted. They're uh, disfigured. Uh, the the Curse of the Beast, as it's called, that, that's what the vampires refer to it as the beast. That's what lives inside of all vampires and makes them a vampire. Uh, the beast twists them and makes kind of makes them, they have like pointy ears, they're bald, mouth full of razor teeth. Uh, Nosferatu control the sewers. They control like information networks they're power brokers they sell information to people um other than clan gangrel or ravenos they're probably the most likely to work with werewolves because werewolves like to buy information like everybody else and nosferatu make great spies and uh is there any other honorable mention clans you'd, you 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 feel like we couldn't pass over without mentioning oh god there's 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 a lot of cool ones um I did mention that the clans have changed over the years. One of the clans is Clan Tremere. Clan Tremere, they have blood magic, and they mastered and kind of created blood magic, but they weren't one of the original clans. Um, they killed an entire clan to take their place. So the original clan was Salubri, uh, and I noticed, uh, RC, that the Salubri are back in 5th uh, edition. I noticed that on a video that uh, Zach showed me. The 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 uh, vampire with the three eyes, the eye and the four, the third eye on the forehead. Yeah, I'd seen them, but I hadn't heard of them yet. Well, in the original, in in this edition, the the Tremere, um, well, Tremere is actually a guy. He's a wizard in uh, the Dark Ages, 
Uh, he had a partner named Goratrex. They were both wizards and they wanted to become vampires, but they didn't want to be- get embraced. So what they did was they convinced vampire society that the Salubri were evil and they killed the Salubri and used a magical ritual on their blood to become the other uh, clan to replace them. So that's kind of a twisted story. What a way to get started, but that sounds in line with vampire. And with wizards. Uh, another clan that, yeah, clan with wizards. Hey, well, it could, hey, Zach, because that's what vampires need is spells, right? <laughs> Anything that gives them an edge over a werewolf. So uh, I mentioned clans. Uh, there's another clan. Uh, in the Dark Ages, there was a, one of the original clans was Cappadocian, and that was the clan of death. They kind of mastered death. There, there was kind of, a, kind of a necromancy type of power they had. Um, one of their very powerful kind of lower generation vampires was named Augustus Giovanni. He was an Italian. He was from Rome. And he overthrew his clan founder. He killed Cappadocian and created the Giovanni clan. And this was shortly, and this was in the late Middle Ages, and uh, killed all the Cappadocians, including Cappadocia, the clan founder, the, the antediluvian. Uh, kind of like uh, Brian, kind of like I mentioned, uh, the Bruja killed their clan founder. Um, I forget the guy that killed him, but same kind of similar situation. Augustus Giovanni kind of overthrew the clan founder and killed all the other Cappadocians. And then he made his family, the Giovanni family, the only vampires that could be, that could have this necromancy power. And then led team rocket and the eighth gym. That totally tracks. And now that you said that, I just put two and two together. You're welcome. Thank you for that. (laughs) Um, Anyone else have any other clans they uh, they like to shout out? That's the I, I thought you guys would enjoy the the two clans that kind of had a kind kind of an upheaval. Um, is there a, like are there clans that have not killed their original leader or are well, most of them? Most of them have uh, have kept their original clan founder, but in in the modern knights, nobody knows where they're at. They're, they they don't even believe they exist. Um, they're kind of like legends. Um, I got a question, Ian. Are there any of these clans that have, like, I don't know, an eternal beef with one another that, you know, these guys and these guys? Because it sounds like between the people among us and our test that RC and Brian's brew hallways are against me and Zach's, uh, what, what were we again? Something true? Ventures. Our venture ways. Are, are those clans natural enemies? Yeah, they, they typically they typically do squabble. They're in the same group. They're in what's called the Camarilla. I'll I'll talk about that in a second. Uh, they're they're both Camarilla clans, so they're they're allies, but they're definitely they're frenemies. We'll put it that way. And well, I guess that answers my other question: like, how many of these clans ever work together? So there's a there's a group of clans called the Camarilla. That's the Bruja, the Gangrel, the Nosferatu, the Tremere, the Toreador, and the Ventru. And the Malkavian. And then there's the Sabat, and that's the Lasambra and the Zamisi, and all of the Antediluvian clans. And the Antediluvian clans are like like there's basically Bruja Antediluvian, Gangrel Antediluvian. That's basically the anti version. That's like let, let's say like Brian's a Bruja and he wants to go over to the Sabat. He wants to leave the Camarilla and he wants to join the Sabat. He would be a Bruja anti anti tribute, is what that's called. Okay. I feel like there's a lot of terms here. Like, I don't know what an antediluvian is. What, what is that? Oh, sorry. Star Wars, I assume. 
Wait, say that again, Brian. They like the rebels in Star Wars. They're fighting the Empire. <laughs> I love that. <laughs> the Antediluvians are the 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 clan founders. When when Cain created the third generation, he created thirteen third generations, and each one of them created their own clan, and they're called the Antediluvians. Swing and a miss. That's okay. It was a nice try, Brian. <laughs> um, the Camarilla is the. Yeah, it's like it's like learning uh, Android Netrunner. You do have to learn a whole yeah, different exactly. language. You have to learn cyberpunk be honest, or learn Ian vampire. Was saying a lot of words, and I was like, um, hmm? <laughs> yeah, it, it, there, there's a lot to it. Like like the Camarilla, for instance, they're a combination of clans that have agreed to work together to live with humans and and uphold the masquerade. The masquerade is their um, that's yeah that's their kind of. They want to live with okay. Yep, exactly. Now the Sabbat, on the other hand, they they kind of embrace the monster. They don't try to hide. They they think that they think that vampires should rule humans. They think that vampires are superior, and that the the Sabbat actually think that the Antediluvians are all enemies, and they know that the Antediluvians are coming back, and they want to be prepared when they do. So the Sabbat are all about like when the clan founders wake up and come back and try to eat us all, we're going to kick their ass. That's what the Sabbat's all about. Uh, you know, I think I, I've seen this kind of play out in underworld. Uh, not the first one, but where they awoken like the ancient vampire to come clean up all the mess that had happened. And so I, I guess that would kind of translate it what was that? A big lawsuit all over again with Underworld. Yeah. <laughs> so I guess I've seen that play out. Now, of course, there's people that are outliers to the whole situation, right, Ian? Yeah, there's independent clans, and they don't want to be involved in anything. They're, they want to just do their own thing. That's like the Giovanni, the Ravenos, uh, the followers of Set. They, they don't want to be involved. Just leave us alone. Um, if you want to hire us for help, cool we'll work for you know we're not going to do it for free but like leave us out of it that's kind of what their their deal is and what are the anarchs and the inconu so those are kind of like lesser um the anarchs are all over the west coast they're basically vampires that are they're more independent than the independents they're truly believe in no order at all um the akanu are very old elder vampires that don't want to be on the chessboard anymore. They've played chess too long. Hey, we've played this, you know, this we've, we've been in the jihad for way too long. We just want, leave us alone. We're I'm up on a mountaintop. I'm, I'm going to sleep for 200 years. Just leave me alone. Okay. Okay. I dig that. I, I like that little archetype of them. Yeah. yeah. That That's me. That That's the one I want to be. Right. Yeah. They, they, they don't want to be in the game. Don't, I, I'm not playing. I don't want to do this anymore. We've done it for a thousand years. Can I just take a break? And this this might be worth mentioning. The older a vampire gets, the longer they have to like go into a death rest. So yep. if you meet a really old vampire, he might be unconscious for ten years at a time and just has to hang out. People have to wait for him to get back up. Is a death rest mandatory? So it's called torpor. And if you take it, like basically, if you take enough damage to go down and you can't regenerate, uh, vampires can spend blood to regenerate. But if you can't regenerate, you're going to go down at a torpor. Um, of course, something like sunlight or fire will totally finish you off. 
but torpor is like a long sleep. It's like it's like a vampire's version of a coma. What do you think, RC? It's like a coma. At least when it came up in our game, that was definitely what happened. Like if, if one of the ways it can happen is if you get staked. So, yeah. Yeah. If you get staked, you immediately go into torpor and you you look dead, but you're not. Just pull the stake out and you're fine. You don't have to. You, usually taking the stake out will be it, it wakes you right back up. Um, if you go down, um, your friend. If you have a friend nearby, they can feed you blood to wake up. That can get you out of torpor. Um, but the the problem, what the sabbat fear so much is that vampires is like RC was talking about vampires that get so old they sleep for thousands of years. Also, when you get to a certain generation, you can you can't drink human blood anymore. You can only feed on vampires, and that's vampires don't like that. So that's what the Sabbat's worried about, is that the antediluvians are just going to ignore the humans and just eat all the vampires. Now, Ian, I know, I know we talked about a lot of lore, and we talked about a lot of different clans of vampires. Have we covered the actual system? So no, we haven't gotten to the system yet. Um, we, can, we can definitely get into that. Um, White Wolf uses a very cool dice system. I like this dice system a lot. Zach, I think you've mentioned that you like it. It's a D10 system. All you use is D10s, um, and what happens is you, you create a dice pool whenever you need to do to do something. So I have um, on my character sheet I have attributes and I have abilities, and attributes are like strength and dexterity and charisma and intelligence, and abilities are like my skills and my talents and my knowledges. And the storyteller will call for a check, right? So let's say that Pat wants to hit somebody with a big stick. Right, Pat? Does that track? Yeah, yeah, that's uh, pr- pretty track. I might tell Pat to make a dexterity plus melee check. And what Pat would do is he would look at his dexterity and his melee skill and how many points he has in that, and he adds those together. Let's say he's got a three dex and a two melee. He gets five dice, five d10. You roll that, and you're trying to get anything above a six. Anything above a six is considered a success. Ones are considered failures. Ones cancel out successes. So let's say I got two successes and a one. I would only have one success because one of the ones would cancel out one of my successes. So it's very quick, very quick, very cinematic. Say that again, Pat. It's number of successes, right? Yeah, it's number of the more successes you get, the more fantastic you succeed. So you can really, as the player or the storyteller, you can really get into like, if you got five successes in something, you could pretty much dictate how it went. But if you only got one, the storyteller's going to be like, okay, you squeak by on the hair on your chinny chin chin. So you can really make it cinematic if you want to. I recall the fourth edition having the 10 again rule. If you ever roll a 10, it counts as a success and, a re- and an additional roll. Is that true in the earlier editions? So in the earlier editions, the, uh, you did get 10 again. They call that 10 again. Um, only on a specialty. So if I have a, a, a rank level of four or higher in something, I can take what's called a specialization. So let's say, let's say I have four in firearms. I could take a specialization in rifles. Anytime I fire a rifle, I get to re-roll tens. And, that, and that's in later editions, uh, Zach, tens got re-rolled all the time. And I think tens get re-rolled again in, in, when you're doing damage as well. When you're assigning damage to Someone. So if I if I did like if I hit someone with a sword, that would be like strength plus five. So I would take my strength. Let's say it's three, plus five is eight. I would roll eight dice, 
and let's say I got four successes, that would be four damage. Um, if one of those was a 10, I would get to re-roll it. I also recall the damage being very specific, like lethal and other flavors of damage. Yeah, there's uh, bludgeoning damage, which vampires can take bludgeoning damage all day. They re- vampires actually regenerate bludgeoning damage on their turn, all of it. So if somebody's fist fighting you, they're not going to make a scratch on you. Uh, knives and bullets, on the other hand, that's lethal damage. And then there's aggravated. Aggravated is what you don't want. Aggravated is fire, sunlight, supernatural claws, like werewolves, vampire claws, fangs, that kind of thing. Also, mages can do some, they can cast spells that can do some aggravated damage as well. Um, the interesting thing about fire, actually, you guys will love this, because in, in every Call of Cthulhu game, this comes up. Fire does aggravated damage to everything in World of Darkness. Fire can kill everything. As it should. As Burn it, it should. Down. Burn it down. That's right. Burn it down. Got a problem? Just set it on fire. Um, no, that's, that's the... Not necessarily a vampire thing. One, one of the cooler things as Prometheans because of the lightning part of at least Frankenstein portion, if you were that type of a Promethean. Anytime you took lightning, you could actually store it and fire it back at someone. So like if you had a stun oh, gun as a cool. Promethean, I didn't know you about that. That's, that's awesome. Right. Now, Zach, were there different types of, I guess, flesh golems, for lack of a better term? Is that Yeah, that there works? were a whole bunch more. The Frankenstein one's the one I remember. Like because of the lightning thing, that's the that's why I remember it. Yeah, that's kind of the gimme. Yeah. Um, what do you guys think about that D10 system? That's a lot different than what we're used to. What do you guys think about that? It it uh, to me it sounds si- well not not directly similar to um, that Genesis system we were playing, Zach. I, I do like the whole concept of generating a pool where it's like, oh, you're attacking your uh, decks or whatever, um, and that sounds fun. Um. Yeah, it sounds like a, a system I would like to try. I I enjoy that it sounds so simple that uh, more focus can be put on role playing and and keeping up with the story. It's also why a lot of friendly local game stores will sell like dice by type because it was a real pain in the butt just getting only d tens. Oh, a long, oh, in the '90s, yeah, dude. In the '90s, you you had to basically buy those tube like those tubes of dice and just throw out the other ones. <laughs> and just from what when I played with the system, it it is really quick moving. Um, hopefully, it doesn't take you very much time to waffle about because at most you're going to be rolling about ten dice unless something crazy happens. Oh yeah, it's usually a lot less than that. I mean, you're usually rolling three, four, five. Sometimes you'll get up to seven or eight, but that's very rare. That's usually your character's main shtick. Like, it, all the points are dumped into that. Yeah, RC, like you were talking about your face character, you probably had a lot of charisma, probably a lot of manipulation, probably had real good social roles. Yep. It's my. Um, so just, just for a quick breakdown, so your skills can also have talents on them as well. So if you have, like, a specific thing you're really good at doing, my character was really good at manipulation, persuasion, victims. So he was, he rolled eight dice whenever he was trying to convince somebody to be a victim. And of course, when you're re-rolling tens, that's awesome. Yep. And I think in the new system... Oh, go ahead, Zach. I will say another part of the system... Yeah, I will say part of the system... I love, I love the 10 again. I love the D10 system. But as someone who has to play it, you do have to learn how to count pips. 
especially on your shoes. Yeah, all the all the skills are tracked in dots, kind of like uh kind of like one of those old school kind of grade tests where you're filling in dots. They're they're not so yeah, you're you're counting up kind of black marks on the page there. Um one thing the new system did and and RC, I don't know if this is still true. In the new system, the difficulty rating is eight instead of six, but you only need one dip, one success to do anything. Is that is that still the case? Uh, not when we played, and I, I think that may have just been from Josh's experience where he had played the game previously and okay. was prior GM experience. So, gotcha, because they did change that up a little bit in uh, fourth edition in the twentieth anniversary. They made it more difficult. They they upped the difficulty of the dice, but you didn't need as many successes. Everything just required one success. Now, Ian, Ian, if I recall, it was seven and up, not six, not eight. Oh, it wasn't okay. You, yeah, you might be right. It's eight and up. It's eight, nine, and ten are successes, and then depending. But tens always re-roll, right? Uh, like no matter what, all tens always re-roll. Tens a crit, and depending on who's running it for you, it's either counts as two successes or you get a re-roll. Oh, I like the two success option. I, we've never played that. That's a, that's a good that's a good idea. And I think you can spend a blood to reroll any number of the dice, just not the crit dice. Well, in in this edition, in the the second edition, you can spend willpower points to get automatic successes. Um, that's what I was gonna. Yeah the 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 ex, the extreme of any die becoming two successes comes up a lot. The Modifius two D twenty system, they're all about that. If you roll like the crit on the die, you get two successes. Now, would you say will and I guess this blood system are kind of akin to a luck system? So it's definitely a resource. There's definitely resources. So blood is more probably blood, blood. You need to do everything. You need blood to power some of your disciplines. You need blood to regenerate because you can spend, it's a one-to-one deal. So if I spend one blood point, I heal one hit point. Um, Willpower is a lot like luck because you can you can spend willpower to get you, one willpower is one success point, but you typically get willpower back through role playing and storytelling situations. Um, but you could. Yeah, I don't know. What do you guys think? You could easily compare the willpower system to the luck system. What do you guys think? It's very close to it. Um, I will say that it, it only came up a couple times in our game. There's a there's another stat you have to worry about too. It's humanity. It's how human your vampire still is. Oh yes. You start to push that, and you start to become more of a monster than you are a person anymore. Yeah, you you do have to worry about that. That's where role playing uh, really shines. Here is when when you first create your character, um, you you determine your humanity level, and like RC said, that's like how human I still am because early when vampires are very young they're still human they're still wrestling with the fact that they're a monster um they don't quite know how to control the beast um so it very very early on that's a that's kind of a an early concept in there and and one of the things that you do is not only do you determine your humanity but you select what's called a nature and that's kind of how your character acts and that's kind of an archetype and there's a list of them in the book and that's kind of that's how you should role play your character. And when you role play your character very well, the storyteller should be rewarding you willpower points. And if you're role playing really well, you can gain humanity. Uh, RC, did that happen in your game? Did anyone gain or lose humanity through their actions? 
Um, Luke's character lost humanity twice, I think. Um, and then I think me and the other, I think my character may have gained one right at the end, but I was already way up on the track for humanity. It was the opposite, the tra- opposite scenario. One of us was already low on it. One of us was already high on it. I went up higher. He went down lower. And it was through nefarious deeds that your humanity goes lower. Because there was, there was definitely some, uh, some brutalizing of NPCs. Yeah, that that happens pretty frequently. Um, as far as as far as uh, the threat to your own humanity, um, it's very hard to hold on to your humanity in this game because as as time goes on, you're just going to find yourself in more and more precarious situations. And if your humanity's high enough, RC, I don't know if it's still like this, but I remember if your humanity got to a certain, if it got high enough, you couldn't feed off of people. You had to feed off of animals or go to a blood bank or something. Or you had to be a pacifist feeder, which is what mine was, where they have to willingly let me feed off of them. Otherwise, I can't feed. Oh, like a herd. Yeah, like a, like a herd. Okay, gotcha. Yeah. Um, well, we mentioned it earlier in, in the maturity aspect, but also like Call of Cthulhu Vampire or any of the other World of Darkness games are definitely the mess around and find out game. Like if you really want to push that button, you're going to find out how bad the storyteller can make it for you. It, it, that's true. Um, um, you can. I, I I do know that just from my experiences. And Zach, I don't know if this has ever happened to you in Call of Cthulhu, but I've definitely seen storytellers um, kind of push the limit as far as what they add to the game, or vice versa. The player puts them in a position where the storyteller has to do something really nasty, and um, might not be comfortable with it. I've definitely seen that happen in, in our games before. I do try to avoid it in Call of Cthulhu if I can. I know it's a horror game and it can get pretty dark, but we also play in public. Exactly. When we were in our Tuesday group and we were doing Whorehouse, I'm like, sorry, Hellhouse. I'm like, we are definitely getting pretty close to X, so I need to calm down. Yeah, that, that's that, that's something I think about a lot too. I don't know about you guys, but I, I do think about that a lot when we play at the shop. So it, it sounds like whenever your vampire character is kind of embracing the beast, so to say, it's akin to going into a bout of madness in Call of Cthulhu where none of the other party members are around you and it just kind of fades to black and you wake up probably covered in blood somewhere. Um, so, it is, oh, go ahead, RC. Just the few times that it did, because it happened a couple of times in the game that I did in the curated game. Somebody ended up ripping off another dude's arm, uh, oh. another vampire's arm, and just basically left him armless the rest of the time that we were hanging out. Um, one of the characters went on a hobo killing spree that just gorged himself. Um, I think Luke's character did something crazy too. Like he ended up getting into like a never ending fist fight with the guy in plate mail armor. It was pretty wild whenever people would hulk out and just embrace the beast. Yeah, so it's it's called going into a frenzy. Um, frenzies are bad. That usually uh, just looking at fire will put a vampire into a frenzy. Uh, being low on blood, like if you're hungry, it makes you hangry and you frenzy. Um, very hard to come out of a frenzy, especially for Bruja. Bruja frenzy more easily. That's their clan weakness. And when they frenzy, ooh, does every ooh man, everybody feels it too. Like RC said, somebody got their arm ripped off. <laughs> 
so yeah, frenzying is bad. It, it's just, it's like about it, Brian. You're exactly right. It's like about a madness and call of Cthulhu. Well, in addition to that, like depending on what vampire type you are, you have to think about food differently. Like if you're a Ventra, you have to be very very picky. Versus like Nosferatu, you can eat rats left and right. Yeah, Ventru, um, uh, oh, geez, I can't remember. There, they have to. They have to. They can only feed. They ha- there's a certain group they can't feed off of, right? There's a prohibited group, isn't that what their weakness is? They 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 can't feed off of animals. I can tell you that one for a fact. Yeah, they uh, prefer exquisite blood of like nice lineage or a fine vintage blood. I w- so suppose. Well, and then you got people like uh, the Zemisi, who if they they're kind of like Dracula, if they sleep outside of their soil, if they don't sleep in their native soil, they're they're no good the next day. So there's stuff like that. You have to think about that. Also, if you're a Nosferatu, your odds of being ugly are like 98%. Yeah, their clan weaknesses, they have no appearance rating. So their appearance is always zero. Uh, going out into public is a breach of the masquerade. So they're not allowed to go out in public without... Um, they get a, you, As a Nosferatu, you can get a power later on called Mask of a Thousand Faces, which le- basically lets you morph your face into like disguise yourself, become like a... It's like a like a spy disguise type of thing. Um, everything is rated uh, between one and five, so all the skills and the the attributes, the abilities, the 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 skills, the talents, the knowledge, everything is rated between. Uh, you either have zero dots in it, or you have five up to five. Um, most supernatural creatures in World of Darkness automatically start with one in every like attribute, like strength, dex, stamina, all that. Um, and then you kind of, it's all a point by system. So there's no dice rolling. You have a certain amount of points you can allocate to everything. And, and that's kind of how you create characters. Cre- character creation tends to be pretty fast. Um, it's not anywhere near something like um, the days of third edition or 3.5 D&D. It's nothing like that. Um, character creation tended to go pretty fast. Uh, RC, how was uh, the curated game? How was character creation there? Uh, even with the six uh, six people that we had in that game, it took, like, after a couple of us started to figure out how everything worked, it probably took, like, 40 minutes in total, but that was that was six people newly learning how to make characters, which is a huge difference from, like, three or five, like you brought up, where it's, no, no, six people learning how to make characters take, like, two to three hours. Yeah, I mean, I'm sure RC, Zach, I'm sure you guys have had characters had sessions in 3.5 where the entire game session was character creation. Absolutely. Definitely not the case with Vampire. We usually created characters pretty quickly. Um in uh typically during character creation, you could take what's called merits and flaws. And flaws would give you like more points to spend at character creation, but merits would cost points. And it, you, they would give you like cool abilities like uh ambidextrous or maybe if you wanted to take a disadvantage of like bad eyesight but take a advantage of like a keen sense of smell you could do that um character creation was usually uh, i always had a lot of fun with it um what do you guys think so far any questions about character creation or any thoughts about character creation no real questions as long as we're uh you know using uh one of the newer vampire sheets yeah, I recall it not being super long in terms of character creation. It was more of like which of like the talents you wanted to choose was like the longest part of oh, it. Oh yeah, buying buy the abilities part, the talent, skills, and knowledge is definitely took the longest. Um, 
there are supplement books. I, I showed Zach earlier. I've got a couple of supplement books that let you run elder games. And elders are like super old vampires. So um, these sheets are a little bit bigger and you have a lot more points to spend. Um, elders usually end up starting the game with derangements because they're so old and they've done so much stuff. They're usually a little bit bonkers. <laughs> um, so that's uh, th that's always a pretty good system. We, we, we played some elder games a couple of times. Um, experience points work a little bit different. Um, you don't have levels. You don't level up. You don't. Not, it's nothing like that. It's a. Uh, it, it's more akin to Call of Cthulhu, where your character kind of develops in certain areas that they want to develop in. So, at the end of a game, you could get anywhere between one and five experience points. I know it doesn't sound like a lot, but what you end up doing is, um, depending on how well you did during the game, or how well you role played, or if you accomplish certain um, tasks during the game. You, you can uh, pull these uh, experience points and spend them to increase skills or increase your vampire powers, or you could get one of your vampire buddies to teach you one of their vampire powers, and you could teach them one of theirs. It, it's, it's really hard to learn vampire powers that are outside of your clan, but you can do it. You have to be taught them, though. It usually requires some kind of storytelling component. It's not just going to be given to you. But um, experience is a lot different in this one. Um, usually only one person ends up getting five points, and that's because the uh, there's usually one point for the MVP of the night. So multiple people usually don't get five points. It's usually people getting between three and four, and then the MVP of the night usually gets five. What do you guys, what do you guys think about the experience system? It only came up once during the curated game, but I thought it worked for what it did. It was really nice to actually finally have to see what like the other power like really dumping points into a power pool could do because it was great right at the very last last two sessions that we had being able to just manipulate people's memories like oh no this happened you totally believe that now you have a great time bye <laughs> oh it sounds like uh, rc had dominate it sounds like you had some dominate powers uh dumped a whole lot of points into dominate yeah, that's a good one. That's a good one. Um, oh, that also helps with feeding. Dominate does. You can feed without breaking the masquerade because you can make them forget about it. Yep. Uh, that that was my whole shtick there for a while. Let's see. Any other thoughts on experience? What do you guys think? It's a it's a, a very it's very unusual compared to other systems we've played. It sounds pretty simple though. So I... it is. It's very simple. Yeah. Um, your your vampire can get more powerful during the game without experience. Um. There's you can do what's called committing diablery, and di diablery is as feeding off of and killing a vampire that's a lower generation than you. That ends up lowering your generation, and you gain a little bit of their power. But that's that's usually pretty bad. Vampires frown on diablery. That's usually seen as a bad thing. Is that how you like go up a generation or down a generation as well? That's how you go down a generation. Is you have to diablerize someone older than you. Yeah, that sounds fun. It happens a lot in the Sabbat. The Sabbat don't really frown on it. The Camarilla does. The Camarilla, like I said, they're they're kind of all about maintaining order and blending in with humans. Uh, the Sabbat are kind of a kind of law of the jungle type of organization. So if like if if a leader is looking kind of weak, it's it's a lot like Klingons in Star Trek. They're gonna gang up on that weak leader and probably diablerize him. 
And in the Sabbat, uh, when they diablerize, they can do a ritual to share the diablery with the rest of their group. Well, right, gaining strength for the many as opposed to one who may be weaker. That seems pretty uh, vampiristic to me. Yeah, exactly. Also, it may be worth mentioning in the new system, if you diablerize somebody, you're permanently marked for having diablerized for somebody, diablerized someone else. Yeah, that's how it is in this system. If um, if someone uses an aura reading power on you, like there's some vampires that can read your aura, you have these you have these weird black veins in your aura, and it's a dead giveaway. Um, it, you can't hide if you're a, if you've diabolized a vampire, it's you can't hide it. It's bad. Do you, like, but do the benefits like outweigh you know that possibility. Like, what aside from you know, I it sounds like. A lower generation is stronger so does that how does that work well um sometimes brian diablerie is a punishment um so let's say like a vampire in the sabbat like committed a crime against somebody and if it was atrocious enough like the 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 leader might say okay cool i'll allow you to diablerize this guy and that could happen in the cam camarilla too um, but usually it it ends up being a pretty nasty fight. It's because, like you said, the vampire's older; they're probably more powerful than you. Um, so you're you're gonna have to get the upper hand somehow. Yeah, they're not gonna let you go. Nom 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 nom. So it sounds like the uh, the wooden stake might be hidden in a lead box, like I don't know, kryptonite might be. Oh yeah, there's all kinds of little tricks you can do like that. Uh, so what do you guys think? Any, any, uh, any, any other thoughts on vampire? Uh, anything else you guys wanted to hear about? I think you've answered all of my questions. Um, I guess the only other question would be, uh, when are you going to run a session so we can Whoa. get some, uh, some, some werewolves and vampires and phase together? So it's, it's funny that you say that, Brian. I, I actually, it's very rarely did I storytell vampire. I was usually always a PC, but I would, I would definitely... I would definitely run a vampire game. It would, it, uh, if you guys were interested in playing classic anyway, I, I, I don't have the time to learn new, like a new set, like five E. I don't really have the time to learn, but I would definitely run like a, like if, if you guys wanted to play the older system. I also recall you mentioning that five E was hard in your eyes, not to, not to age. Oh, no, no, you're, you're absolutely right. The book, the, the new book, it looks cool, but they, they used a really small print. Did you got, did you notice that RC? That, the the print in it, the font size looked unusually small to me. Yeah, no, we had two books at that table, and I like I had to lean over and stare at them. And my eyesight isn't terrible, but it it's a mix of things. The color, the pages aren't white; they're like an off white color, and the lettering isn't fully black. It's like a dark brown. So if you're trying to look at it over somebody's shoulder or something, you can't make out anything. Oh, that sounds like it's. Well, that, and I also recall—I also recall Josh like flipping through back and forth in that thing, like fifteen. It is times. not correctly laid out. There, there are a couple complaints about how the book itself is laid out. Oh, that's unfortunate. I, I don't have any complaints about how the third. I've got a third edition main book here, and I don't have any complaints about how it's laid out. It is—it's in good shape. Um, uh, but it also could be that I'm just used to it. But, but in the in the beginning, I, I remember. I remember the book being pretty friendly. I don't remember it being too hard to remember where everything was. 
Well, in any event, I would uh, I would gladly follow wherever you were to lead. All right. Well, cool. Maybe I'll uh, maybe once uh, maybe maybe once we get some more time, we'll uh, we'll do a we'll do a vampire campaign. Now, just right off the cuff, guys, Camarilla or Sabat, because that's always the Camarilla. Oh, that was quick. No thought. Yeah, that was quick. <laughs> the bot games are a little rough. Usually, people liken them to playing like a drow campaign in D anD D or an evil campaign. A lot, a lot of people have a hard time playing a Sabat game because it's uh, it's uh, the, the the motivators are a lot different in a Sabat game versus a Camarilla game. We'll, we'll just put it that way. Your character motivations, anyway. It might be a good lead, and after that, we can probably run that Star Trek game and all play King- Klingons. Jeez, <laughs> maybe we could. Maybe- Maybe we could all play Klingon vampires. Sure, why not? One one step at a time. Okay. One you know, step at a time. Sounds like the one clan is uh, pretty much the Borg, so I don't know if they would be Klingons. So, any final thoughts about Vampire the Masquerade, guys? I'll definitely run a game. I'm all about that. It's great, and everyone should try it at least once. I like that attitude, Zach. I've got to find a. Go ahead, Brian. Oh, I, I was just saying, like I, I would. Uh... I would sacrifice some blood to play some uh, some vampire. That's All right. Not... That's heavy. <laughs> not, I don't know not, if I would go that far, but I would definitely I, try them. De- definitely not on my list of demands. So you can you can rest easy there. <laughs> um, well, guys, I, I really appreciate you guys letting me uh, tell you and beguile you with the ways of the world of darkness. Yeah, Thanks for that. that. Fun system. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you, Ian. Thank you, listeners, and join us next week for Tomb of Horrors, the D&D Gygax Classic.